0: Hey everyone, Johannes here. Before we get started, uh, we had some audio issues on this one. Uh, you will hear some dropouts on Araji's voice. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to salvage that. And uh, you might hear me being very sick. So <laughs> apologies for that, but enjoy the show. Counselors, approach the bench. I have no further witnesses, Your
1: Honor. In curiosity, I'm allowing this freak show to continue. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. Overruled you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God?
0: Welcome to Movie Mistrial.
1: The movie podcast where we examine the IMDb Top 250 and argue for or against the movies on that list.
0: My name is Johannes. And I am Rod. Today we're talking about the number six film on that list.
1: The historical drama The Shindless List.
0: Schindler's List, released on December 15, 1993, starring Liam Neeson and Ben Kingsley, with an IMDb rating of 8.9 out of 10.
1: So today we're gonna do things a little different.
0: Yeah, we both agreed not to argue against this film.
1: Instead we'll talk about the movie and we'll talk about the successes and shortcomings a bit more casual.
0: That's right. Due to the subject matter of this movie and it being based on real events, we find it inappropriate to tear this movie apart.
1: So we're going to skip the coin toss and we're going to head straight to the general discussion of
0: this film. Yeah. Before
1: that, though, how's your week been?
0: It's It's been good. I mean, it's been short. Like uh, We're recording this on uh, July 4th, so we have a long, nice weekend and... It's it's been good. We're looking into trying camping, so that's oh nice. That's exciting.
1: <laughs> I just watched uh, an episode of Rick and Morty about uh, about camping. That was quite interesting. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, on the on yeah. my side, I'm just uh, I'm just re- relaxing for the most part and getting ready for work after the holidays. But I think that it's just gonna be uh. Fl- uh, watering flowers and uh, riding my bike nice nice
0: yeah in, in retrospective, i guess uh, watching alone all seasons of alone inspired us to, <laughs> to to go that route uh, <laughs>
1: i think that there's been some there's been some new shows that have been great um to portray the american vista uh one example is sweet tooth and uh, Sweet Tooth definitely makes you want to go camping because you look at how beautiful the American landscape is and you're like, oh, I want to be part of that.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Exciting yeah. time.
0: Yeah, indeed. <laughs> oh, I think we need to tackle one other, uh, one other problem. Sure. Uh, we just saw that the IMDb Top 250 list changed. Oh, yeah. Surprise. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um... Prior to recording this, um, this movie was sixth on the list. Um, and we we watched this movie with a lot of... Uh, at least I watched it with a lot of alcohol to take it all in. And uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a very hard film to watch. But now the movie has been moved to the eighth position. And uh, it puts us in an awkward position. But we're going to go on recording this episode uh, with the assumption that uh, at the time when we added this to the queue, it was 6th instead of...
0: Right. And going forward, we're, we're not going strictly down lists. Uh, we'll we'll take all the movies that are on the top to 50, and we'll get to them.
1: Yeah. I guess this is just a warning that the, mov- the the movie list is kind of dynamic, and it can change right under us, but I think that we're good to
0: go still. Yeah. Who would have known? <laughs> you want to talk about... Shift this list a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think before we do that, we should probably talk about uh, the synopsis and uh, give a summary of what the movie's about.
0: Very true. Synopsis, please. Businessman Oskar Schindler, Liam Neeson, arrives in Krakow in 1939, ready to make his fortune from World War II, which has just started. After joining the Nazi Party, primarily for political expediency, he staffs his factory with Jewish workers for similarly pragmatic reasons. When the SS begins exterminating Jews in the Krakow ghetto, Schindler arranges to have his workers protected to keep his factory in operation, but soon realizes that in so doing, he is also saving innocent lives. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a
1: recess. So welcome back, Johannes. I think you're going first in this, uh, today?
0: Yeah, yeah, so, uh, let's talk about Schindler's List. Uh, Schindler's List is kind of a tough movie to watch to stomach and uh, because it deals with, uh, the final solution of the Nazis very closely and kind of intimately, I think. And the movie portrays it in a very real way, I think, but also strangely surreal in parts, I think due to the way that the Movie style is very film noir, like upon rewatching it i I was kind of taken aback by that a little bit because i find it, found it a little distracting um the visual style of of the movie, but I think I understand why because it's it's just adding another layer of detachment from how real this is and how impactful this is at least that's that's my interpretation of of this what do you think?
1: I was actually taken aback by how it it was a it's a very weird film like you say and one of the things that really surprised me uh, at the very beginning was there were lots of comedic elements in the film and it's a very weird film to watch because you know what's coming and uh you see you see uh Oscar Schindler being a, a ruthless businessman he's going from one scene to the other b- doing what he can to get ahead uh in the world that was changing under uh, in his world, to the, to get ahead in the world that was changing around him and he went about doing it in a very comedic way for example i'll give you an example the typewriter scene where all the secretaries were coming and they all sat down and they were typing and he's sitting down he doesn't really care whether they can type or not he just cares how beautiful they are and he's staring at the beautiful ones and all of a sudden we see a very proficient typewriter who knows exactly what it, what to do, and we notice that he's not even paying attention to her. And uh, at the end of the scene, we've had a lot of applicants. Uh, who should we choose? And he's like, "Why don't we just choose them all?" And he just gets all the beautiful ladies to become his secretaries. It's a very it's a funny scene in a film about very dark subject matter, and I think that the very beginning was done to kind of draw us in um, and make us invested in the character. Um, And it's a very interesting tactic, uh, given the subject matter, and you know exactly what happens next.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's Schindler as a character is fascinating to me because he's clearly... I felt like the movie was struggling a little bit with him because clearly he was very opportunistic. Like the real person, he was very opportunistic and uh, trying to exploit the war. Then at the end, he did the the right thing, right? But throughout, like two thirds of the movie, I felt like he's still on that very opportunistic, uh, exploitative path. And I think the the girl in the red jacket is is kind of taking him out of that. Uh, to a degree, and then towards the end he has to break down and, and realizes he could have done more. Uh, so I, I guess my argument is a little bit, it, it struggles a little bit with um, portraying somebody who who was in it for the money, clearly, but then who did something very heroic. I understand that he's not the only one that did something as heroic, um, but he was able to save a lot of people. So that's that's great. But I felt... Like the movie had a little bit of a struggle to to walk that very fine balance of of like exploitative and and hero. How do you feel about that?
1: Um, I I kind of agree. I, I for like you said, almost two thirds of the film we watched Oscar Schindler be the exploitative person that he was, um, taking advantage of the situation, buying. Uh, you know, taking all the money from the Jews to set up his business and saying that he's not going to pay them in cash. He's not going to give them part of the, of the business, but he's going to give them pots and pans that they can sell in the black market. So he knew exactly what he was doing. The, around the beginning of the film, when the couple uh, gets kicked out of their home, they get moved to the ghetto. And just as they were moving out, Oscar Schindler was moving in and he goes and he lays on the bed. And he just sits, uh, lays down there and says, this is one of the most comfortable birds I've ever had. Uh, meanwhile, the couple who got kicked out uh gets to live in the ghetto. And one of the things that uh, the guy says, hey, I don't think it can be worse than this. And uh, just as he said that, you saw 12, 12, several of the families just walking through the door. And you can't imagine if you lived the life of opulence, uh having to get moved to the ghetto to live uh with so many other people in the same house it's kind of it's kind of scary to think of
0: what do you think about the way this movie handles color
1: i think it's it's confusing to me um I, I i honestly maybe i i don't know if I should have done some research to try to understand it but i i i think that the film noir is trying to it its kind of sends us a mixed message because when you make a movie into a noir, it's kind of seems like you're trying to take it out of reality. But a lot of the things happened were very real. Um, I'm not entirely sure why it was filmed in this noir style. And the girl in the pink dress that he saw from the top of the mountain when he was riding his horse as, as the, uh, the Nazi soldiers were clearing the ghetto and he was looking down and he sees this girl in a red dress uh, or red jacket just walking down. Um, you know, the, the movie followed the girl in the red jacket from... Uh, that point not necessarily as a main character but as a focal point because towards the end of the movie we noticed that she met her ultimate dem- demise being rolled off on a cart but if you notice the girl in the, r- the red jacket she ran into a building and under a bed and when she went under the bed her jacket went from being red to being black and white and I still I don't understand the significance of all of that. I don't know. Maybe it's just the focus that he had. What did you think about?
0: Yeah, I think him seeing a little girl just kind of wandering around and kind of literally going against the grain. Like I saw that there were lots of people that were marching in one direction. She, um, she walked past them, just kind of tells him, kind of makes it real that there's people there. I think because I felt like for a, for a long time, he he saw people as assets and not as people, you know like as cheap labor and i feel like the the girl with the red jacket stands for the human side of things and then and then once she goes into hiding one could argue that she may uh, kind of become unhuman again but i don't know that might be a little too
1: overthought it could possibly be that i I'm, i'm not entirely sure why they did it but i think that your explanation uh makes a lot of sense but i I do i do i think that i also want to point out that there were call there was also color when they lit the candle after he said uh he was speaking to the rabbi while he was making the shells and he said what's today it's friday uh what is tomorrow you got to prepare for sabbath right and they go into the room and they light the candles and the light the candles were uh, fully colored, and I think that there is something to your argument or your point that about them being human, because throughout the film they were treated as just assets. And the moment he said, "You know, go prepare for Sabbath," and he lit the candles and the light of the candles came to color, it could be a sense that their humanity could have been returned to too.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, being a Steven Spielberg film, there's a lot of Spielbergian stuff going on in the film. One of the statements that I noticed that. Uh, they used a lot in this film is it, it It can't get worse than this can it It can't get worse than can't get worse than this and every single time they said that it got worse and it was very scary to watch them go all the way to Auschwitz and uh, <laughs> watching the lady after the train uh, the train got diverted to Auschwitz and them get into the bathroom where where they were going to be pumped in with gas I guess but you know they were given a shower instead, which was a a very, very uh, Spielbergian. uh, I don't know if it was real. I don't know if that was was a real thing that happened. But I would say that it was very, very scary to watch. But at the very last moment, when the water came in, I could feel the relief. (laughs) And I think that that was one of the things that I know Spielberg does in this film. He gives the audience hope, and I was really happy to see them come out but in every single scene where there's hope, there's always tragedy because after those family members get taken out of the shower, we see another bunch go in and uh, we watch as the smoke billows out from the chimney. And we know that those ones are not going to survive. It's a very, very hard film to
0: watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been to Auschwitz um, on a school trip and it's very tough to be there. It's very tough to see this movie um, with, kind of having been there as well. Because there's just so many people that went through this and uh, did not come out alive. So many people. And it's it's incredibly sad. What you were saying, you you don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I think a lot of this movie is based on uh, firsthand accounts of uh, the people on the list. And so I think a lot of that is pretty true. And I think there was a train that was mistakenly diverted to Auschwitz. But I think I I don't think uh, Schindler went to Auschwitz to to freedom. I think he sent somebody else to go there. That's at least what I read. And again, that that kind of goes back to the to the struggle that I felt to kind of propel him to be this heroic person um, versus the entrepreneur, in a way, right? So I think the the movie does a little bit of tweaking there too to prop him up a little more.
1: Yeah, I I think that's that's what confuses me. And I think that's one of the things that I don't, I'm not entirely sure if that specific scene was there for dramatic reasons or it actually happened. That specific scene, not because I don't think it happened, but I just feel like there are a couple of things that were added to the film for dramatic purpose to kind of show the experiences that people could have gone through. For example, the Schindler himself driving all the way to Auschwitz to bribe the guy is not a, it's not a real scene that happened. He did send somebody else the secretary uh that he has is a composite of many characters and for dramatic reasons they made them into one person even his wife who was not very prominent in the film was very prominent uh in real life taking care of the people the jewish people in the camp uh and even selling some of her jewelry to help uh to help pay for food and you know the health of some of the the workers uh some of the jewish people are prisoners in the camp so it, it's like there are a lot of things that um may have been added for dramatic purpose and there's some things that could have been uh simplified for dramatic purpose so i'm not enta- I, I i don't know if the shower scene happened but irrespective i totally understand how crazy that could feel um especially when they had a discussion about it in the room where somebody told them, like, hey, this is what happened. And everybody was like, why would they kill people? Why would they kill us? Uh, They need us. And they were put in that situation out of a mistake and scary. You know, it would be very scary for anybody.
0: I wanted to talk about something that kind of, uh, as the movie went on, annoyed me more and more, and it's uh, the use of language and I understand this was made by an american uh, filmmaker i understand the bigger audience and the bigger market is uh, english speaking audience but uh, i was really annoyed by the by the mish the mix of of german and english like sometimes you would hear people speak english or german uh, and then english sometimes you would hear just random guards yell in german but other German guards would speak English. And again, I kind of understand why, because we want to reach the biggest audience possible, but I felt it was kind of inconsequential in that, because this weird half-half kind of thing felt a little unfinished to me. Um, I would argue it would have been kind of a, a lot more powerful movie had everything been in, in German or the respective languages that... Uh, the people spoke, so I guess Polish and Yiddish and um, and German, and then with subtitles. Um, and I think the effect that would have had on the audience um, that's not speaking any of these languages would would have been very powerful in the sense of disorientation, which I think a lot of the Jews probably went uh, through as well, uh, probably not being able to speak German uh, in the beginning. Um I can only imagine so you know just kind of thinking thinking that thought through though and i think that could have been very powerful but i also understand it's kind of distracting having to read subtitles
1: yeah i i I kind of agree with you that this movie would have been a little bit would have been much stronger if he had a german them speaking german and the respective languages they were speaking and i did agree with you i do agree with you that while you watch the film there's a lot of weird intermixing of languages even the russian guy spoke english and it doesn't make any sense that he rides in and the first thing he says everybody understands it takes you out of the movie but one of the things that i would argue irrespective of the fact how they were trying to reach a bigger audience which i think is probably the main driving force behind making this english i think that they wanted to keep the movie simple um and remove the complexity of language so that people can um, can converse, and everybody can relate to the character, which is also an argument against it. Because if you don't speak English, you can't relate to the character. So maybe I'm not. I'm, my argument is not correct.
0: Clearly, it's it's been a very successful movie. It veers on the on the edge of nitpicking a little bit, I guess. It would just be totally. It would be a very different movie if if you went all the way into. German and Polish and, like, the, the local languages of the time. And um. I think that would have a very different dimension to it because it, it would would have added um, a lot more realness in not necessarily a horror way, because a lot of that is already in this movie, but in a just kind of grounding way.
1: No, I think that it, it would have also added to the level of uh, confusion amongst the people who were being arrested because I'm pretty sure a lot of people did not understand what was going on and what was being said and they were in utter chaos and scared for their lives. Simplifying it and making it everybody understands everybody makes it seem like, uh, you know, they they knew exactly what was going on as opposed to them being just as confused by what was being said as what was going on yeah. It, I, I agree with you on the fact that the movie could have benefited from some realness where somebody says something that somebody goes, oh man, I don't understand what the hell is going on. It, it, it's It's a very sad uh, portrayal of humanity. Unfortunately, it's still something that goes on today, mm-hmm. um, which is very sad to see. But I hope, in general, humans can improve um, the thing that confuses me the most was how we watched, um, people who you would consider very civilized downgrade themselves in the mindset to think that other humans were just cattle. I'll give you an example. When they, when Schindler in the movie goes to Auschwitz to get his workers back, the way they separated them was with this black tar, which they rubbed on their cloth. To separate them from the other ones, which is kind of something that they do with cattle, and it's kind of disorienting to watch, as humans are treated just like animals. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of it's kind of sad. Too.
0: Yeah, it's it's like the selection process in the yard when they had them run around in, in the yard naked, and then kind of, you know, selected people based on their fitness. That's mm. it's so arbitrary, right? Like it's it's yeah. just. Yeah, it's uh, and uh, in that very scene that you also said when when Schindler goes to Auschwitz, um, the the head um, of of the camp was just like, well, I can give you fresh ones tomorrow. Or there's a new shipment coming in, right? It's just like a commodity. Yeah, it's sickening in that. Just to to kind of bring my train of thought a little further with with the languages, I think the the thing we would have missed out had this been in in german it was the performance of uh, ralph fines and i think he's the strongest in in the cast at least in my opinion um and he plays amon good kind of a power hungry flamboyant conflicted person who's kind of in love with his housekeeper but cannot admit that he is and uh, I was shocked to see he didn't win an uh, academy award for this he was nominated but he didn't win and uh, i thought he deserved it it kind of brought me back to to essences of heath ledger in a very weird way just having a supporting actor kind of being the star of the show at least for me
1: yeah he i think for the moment he got into the screen you know sitting in the back of the car with his stuff covering his nose, uh he 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 definitely commanded uh, he commanded your attention uh from the very beginning. And uh it, it was very difficult to look away from some of the atrocities he was doing. Like the moment where he steps out of his house in the morning and gets a sniper rifle and starts shooting people that were unproductive. It's very, very disheartening to watch. But you also You are also attracted to Ralph Fiennes as a character in the sense that he commands the screen, he commands your attention because he's unpredictable. You don't know what he's going to do. And uh, he plays that role kind of like the Joker, like you said. He does a great job, but I'm actually surprised he didn't win an Oscar for it. But I guess his portrayal of the character was so good, it kind of feels disturbing to reward somebody.
0: He did, he did a really good job, I thought. It's, it's again, it's you know you're you're like, he did a good job playing an awful person. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I think that Ralph Fiennes has always been a a good villain in a lot of film, um, from the Harry Potter series to in Bruges, where he played uh, a wonderful villain. So I'm not entirely surprised. Uh, but it was very weird to see him so young. He was so young in this film. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. He did a great job. But I, I also want to commend Liam Neeson too. This is the first film I've seen him not use his Irish accent. Every single film he plays, he uses his Irish accent. He's playing an American cop. He has an Irish accent. He's, he's uh, In this movie, he has a faint Germanic-English accent, I guess. Because he wasn't using his Irish accent, he was using this weird English accent that was kind of strong. But I I, I thought that he did a good role. He, he played a good role, showing how hedonistic he was, putting all his cards on the table, even when he was trying to be righteous. Like the scene where he was having with Amon Goeth when he, after he spoke with the housemaid uh, downstairs. One of his problems in the film was that he he looked at people too optimistic. And when the maid told him like, yo, this guy beat me the first day I came in um, and he, you know, he's he's evil. One of the discussions he had was like, hey, yo, you know, if he wasn't for this situation, he would be a good guy, just a good guy like everybody else. And then he goes upstairs and has a conversation with Amon Goeth where he says like, where he talks about the guy who stole something from the emperor and he throws him to the ground. And as he begs for his life, he knows he's going to die and the emperor just pardons him. And he says, like, this: "What he lets the worthless man goes?" And he says, like, the real power is when you have justification to kill. And then for a period, we see Eamon Ghost try to play that properly forgiving people. And then we watch the guy who was cleaning his bathtub. And Eamon Ghost says, today I forgive you. And he stands in the mirror, does the whole Christian stuff. And then a few minutes later, he just... He has that urge to kill and kills the young boy. I think that Oscar Schindler, played by Liam Neeson, commands the screen. He uses humor and he uses intimidation to, uh, what do you call it, to get his way. And this was consistent with him from very beginning to the very end. I don't think his character changed at all. I will say that his calculations did change because initially he was doing it for the money. Eventually, he was doing it for human- for his humanity. But the methods with which he did it uh, never changed. Mm-hmm. All through the film, he was using his intimidation, his size, and his wealth to influence as many people as possible. In the beginning, it was for money. In the end, it was for humanity. But his character didn't change. But I, I did think that Liam Neeson did a good job.
0: Liam Neeson can be very one-note for me. And he is so in this movie as well. For me like and, and you were saying that like the character motivation changes but the the way of executing that motivation doesn't and i think the way he executes the character throughout the film is, is very one note um it changes at, at the end when he has to break down but i also think that's very on the verge of overacting and so it's it's tricky i think yeah, again, it takes me back to our discussion about the Dark Knight a little bit because I feel like it's it's in a very similar situation where you have Christian Bale and and Heath Ledger and and the supporting cast is kind of uh, outshining the the main actor here.
1: I, I I will say that Liam Neeson had some really really funny lines though. Uh, the scene where he was like, "What's your name?" uh you'll be in the Russian front uh, by tomorrow morning. Um, and, uh, they were like, all right, let's go look for this guy in the trade. That was a very fun.
0: Yeah.
1: But I agree with you, um, that, you know, he was kind of one note. If you'd left him too long, he would be playing the character from Taken. Uh, it's basically interchangeable because it's the same character he plays in all his films, even right. when he's fighting Wolf. We should talk about, um, the character that Ben Kingsley plays as well. Um, I thought that, you know, outside of the fact that, I think he was the biggest influence on Oscar Schindler because, given the fact that he controlled the money, he was able to influence him in the right direction throughout and add a lot of humanity into what a lot of uh, what Oscar Schindler was doing by continuously making sure that he's aware of what he's doing. Like mm-hmm. the moment where the one handed guy comes in and Schindler is like, wait, why do we hire this guy? What is he essential for? And the guy was like, he's essential. He's essential. He's essential. He was the one who did the most good in this film, and he was also the person who validated Oscar Schindler. But when he said this list, it's an abs- It's an absolute good. The list is life. All around its margins lies the Gulf, and, and basically he was talking about the fact that everybody who was put on Oscar's li- uh, Oscar Schindler's list was gonna bring about generations and generations uh of people um and he was the one who validated everything yeah he did. so he played a great role in the, great supporting role
0: i agree further kind of making my point that the supporting cast is uh, stronger than the the main than the lead here yeah i don't have anything else
1: <laughs> okay do you think that this movie deserves to be on the
0: on the list i do i think it's important to watch this well not many people know this probably but i'm from germany so there's a lot of guilt already and I've seen this movie a lot in school. But still, I think it's it's very important uh, because it's a constant battle to not have this happen again. And you know, I feel like the world kind of moves in and out of tendencies that kind of move more towards this and I think it's important to be aware like how how this can blow up and how dangerous this is. So I think it's very important to watch this at least once in your life.
1: I absolutely agree it's one of the great human tragedies that we don't learn from our mistakes and we often get relaxed and do it over again and i think that reminding people of the evil that we can do is very important to curtail
0: all right where can people find us
1: well they can find us uh, on movie Mistral on twitter
0: instagram and facebook they can also send us an email at contact at Next time, we'll talk about Lord of the Rings number three.
1: The Return of the King.
0: The Return of the King. Uh, We'll talk about the theatrical cut.
1: Yes. So we're looking forward to going back to the normal format next, uh, next movie. Hope you have a good week and enjoy your time.
0: Take care.